This is the Blacklist Co. Radio Show with Pedro Frias. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to my podcast. This is your host. It's Pedro Frias. And hopefully everybody's having a good weekend. It's Sunday, September 26th. It's early in the morning. I was out in Oakland last night, Oakland, California with my girl. And, you know, we were thinking about just how much money there is in the Bay Area and actually in all these big cities. But then when you go to black and brown communities and you can see that the money ain't going around everywhere, right? In the Bay Area, this is one of the most areas where there's the most billionaires, where there's these tech companies that are like growing and exploding. They're going to multi-million dollar companies. And then on the outside of that, you have all these communities, whether it's Stockton, Antioch, Alameda, Oakland, Vallejo, all these areas around the Bay where the people are. And the people actually aren't getting access to the same opportunities. The money's not going to everybody. And, you know, I want to break down why. And the more time I spend out here, and I spend a lot of time outside of the corporate world, outside of these kind of, uh, these tech bros, these basically people from other areas, I try to spend as much far time away from actually with the people. And the people here are an amazing group of people. They're hustlers. They have like their own culture, their own vibe. And I've always just been curious, like, why don't the people take advantage of what really what's in their own neighborhood? Instead, you have people like myself, you know, even though I'm Dominican, I'm coming from East Coast, Boston, and I'm able to kind of capitalize on what's going on. But why aren't the people able to capitalize? Why is everybody flying around from other states coming over here before coronavirus more? But why is it that these other people can come out here, play the game, and really, you know, double and triple their net worth, right? So I want to break this down today for you. And I have a few charts opened up here. And one of them is from the Brookings Institute. And it says that the racial wealth gap, the middle class income slump, and homeownership is one of the big differences between white households and black households and brown households, right? Well, they're saying that the medium white family has eight times the wealth of a black family and five times that of the Latino family. And home equity is the largest source of wealth building for middle class families, right? This author is saying to close this racial gap, we need to do two things. Redesign home ownership subsidies in the tax system to support moderate income first-time home buyers. So she's saying like, hey, there's programs that are, uh, will incentivize or maybe just kind of lower the bar in terms of income, credit, et cetera, and like basically lower the bar so everyday people can come in and buy homes. And secondly, develop and encourage wealth building mechanisms outside of home ownership, which includes short-term and long-term assets, which I agree. So my take on this thing is two things. One, it looks like home ownership is a big component of it. I agree just kind of lowering the bar because even the real estate in the Bay and in New York and all big cities, you know, the real estate has gone through the roof and the people who own it sometimes aren't even people from here. It's other people kind of coming in, making some money and, you know, they're going down, they're scooping up the properties in Oakland, they're scooping up the properties in these, what they would call secondary markets, basically where the people are raising up the rent and the people have to move all the way outside, close to Sacramento, et cetera. So... I do agree that kind of like enabling people to kind of get in and, and own a piece of land is a way that can help these families kind of take it, you know, get a piece of the pie too. And then the second one is where I come into play. And it's to encourage wealth building mechanisms outside of home ownership, including short-term and long-term assets. So this is the whole breakdown between my brand, why I published the books, why I'm doing this podcast, why I 
I kind of whine and complain. I'm always, you know, talking about ownership. My book, Owning Change, right? Or How to Play the Game, my new one, How to Play the Game, Stock Market Survival Kit. These books and these programs, you know, are basically to encourage the people, everyday people, and say, we need to own shit. You know, the, the real game, even though high income jobs and like, you know, high salary, that stuff's great, but you need to own something. You got to own a piece of land, a piece of some kind of stock. Maybe it's some kind of online brand, digital brand, investing in a personal brand online that you own, right? That nobody can take away. It's an asset. And ideally, it's an asset that produces cash flow for you. But, you know, in our community, we need to be encouraging ownership at a higher level, not just taking a piece of the pie, whether it's a job, whether it's a you know, some kind of subsidy, et cetera. You know, we need to own our own stuff. You know, there's, there's so much money within the community that a lot of people aren't aware of. And I'm going to break down another interesting stat. We're just between the, in, in the Latino community. So you ready for it? So this stat basically says is in the United States, how big is the Hispanic market, right? The Hispanic market within 2020 is 2.6 trillion, right? Actually, that's, it's 2018. Sorry, 2018. In 2018, it's 2.6 trillion up from 2017, which is $2.3 trillion during that time. And it's growing rapidly, right? If Latinos in the United States were an independent country, their GDP would be the eighth largest in the world. So the bottom line is like just within this community here, there's so much money flowing around. And we have to ask ourselves, where is this money going? You know, where are we shopping? Are we supporting each other within our own community? And not just the Latino community, but also in the black community. You know, in the African-American community, there's also a community, there's also a lot of money flow that people aren't aware of. And, you know, we aren't even aware of our own power, right? And I'm going to give you guys another interesting stat here. And in this stat, let's talk about black buying power, right? Black African-American buying power in the United States. So in 2018, in the African-American community, 1.3 trillion, right? And this boost they're saying here is resulted in a surge of black-owned businesses, and the percentages continue to rise, right? And our buying, the buying power in the communities continue to rise. So, you know, bottom line is like within the minority community, there's tons of opportunity, there's tons of buying power, but we're not seeing the wealth gap somewhat come closer, right? And this is despite us having a higher buying power than we ever had before, which is bigger than a lot of countries out there, is 3.9 trillion. So 3.9 trillion in minority markets. So we have to ask ourselves, like, if this is happening, you know, why are the income inequality stats the same? Why is ownership staying the same? Are we doing business? Are we going back into the communities once we kind of get our platform and we start working in these places and start building up our own assets? What are we doing with that money? And I personally think that all of us within this community have a responsibility to kind of go back and reinvest into your own community, invest in black and brown businesses. And support each other versus tearing each other down instead of hating on each other and, you know, getting into these stupid little beasts. We need to be supporting each other. And we need to figure out how to even level the playing field out. You know, whether you do that by content, whether you do that by owning your own business, whether you do that by owning stock, you need to own something, right? And I personally believe that while the government and some of these policies are important in terms of like getting people from point A to point B, getting them to the next level of their life in terms of, you know, opportunities, et cetera. You know, once you get there, we need to take action to make sure you're getting it back and, and you're doing something with that money. And it's, it's important for us to also just from like a, like a mental perspective to understand that, yo, we have 
tons of resources already within our community. And we always outsource it and let somebody else from a different community kind of come in and capitalize on it. Whether it's our culture, whether it's our music, whether it's our swag, our style, the sneakers, et cetera. The thing I respect about Kanye is at least Kanye is able to kind of go out as soon as he built his platform while he's crazy. And I don't respect his politics. He reinvested and did not buck and just said, hey, I'm going to launch my own sneaker. I'm not going to let Nike dictate what I do. Right? I'm not going to be an executive. I'm going to own my own sneaker. I'm going to have my shoe. I'm going to create it the way I want. And I'm going to partner with these companies in the right way where we're partners, where I'm not an employee. And that's so important. That's what we can see with some of these entrepreneurs now. They're actually building these platforms so they can actually do something about it. So we have so much we can do. And a lot of us aren't even aware of it. And that's so important. That's the reason why a lot of us now are doing content and trying to give back in, in the way of information, right? But the bottom line is the black and white economic divide is as wide as it's ever been. It's still as wide as it was in 1968. So what's going on? And to me, what's going on is we're not supporting each other. We're not being collective. We're not working together in the minority community. Instead, we're kind of being chess pieces in some kind of big puzzle and we're not taking the right actions. And we're waiting for somebody else to come in and you know, maybe write a policy, et cetera. And I do believe in some of the systematic things that, that are out there. But for those of us who kind of start to figure out the game, it's important for you to give back. And to me, there's nothing worse than being here in the Bay and seeing other people come in here, including myself. I came, I'm not from the Bay. This is in every city, New York, Boston, et cetera, is you have a lot of deal flow. You have a lot of cash moving in the hands of random people. And the people who are actually here aren't aware of what's going on. The people who do well from here don't give back to their own community. And we're letting just other people kind of come back and capitalize on us. And that's not the right way to be. And let's talk about something else, right? Let's talk about just the stock market, you know, another focus area of mine. And how much stock do we own in the black and brown, Hispanic, African-American community versus those of whites, right? And we're lagging also in the stock game, big time. And now it's the easiest time to get into stocks. But as a percentage in 2019, about six in 10 white Americans own stocks. And the numbers for the African-American and uh, Hispanic community are basically three in 10. Two for Hispanics and three out of 10 for, for uh, black African-Americans. So what is this telling you? What is this telling us? That one, the key for us to kind of bridge this gap is we need to encourage ownership and we need to educate ourselves, right? There's no excuse now in 2021 for everybody not to own a piece of stock. You, know, you can buy a stock now with some of these fractionalized programs, which I'll break down in my book, for literally like 10 to $100, which all of us can do. We waste money on you know going on the weekends. We waste money on clothes. We waste money on a lot of bullshit. You know, there's no excuse for us not to own a piece of that. And also with the technologies, there's a lot more way for us to educate ourselves, but we need to, we need to really start diving in and focusing in on this thing. And let these other groups kick our ass. And it's not about us versus another, but this is really about empowering our community and taking care of ourselves and having our own platforms. So if you think about real estate, the real estate numbers are way behind, right? And that's like obviously here in the Bay Area where everybody's getting kicked out of their communities and other communities are coming in and then reselling them, repackaging them to people who can actually afford them and everybody's getting kicked out. And we need to own stock, secondly. We need to own a piece of the overall economy. We need to start capitalizing off of that. And then third, let's talk, start looking into, you know, uh, business ownership and entrepreneurship. How many, you know, black and brown 
entrepreneurs out there compared to whites. The ultimate number is one in 20 of black Americans hold business equity today. That's one in 20, right? So that means that four times of business equity is held by those are white Americans relative to black Americans. And this is in 2019, respectively. Something else to note here. Black-owned businesses tend to earn lower revenues in most industries, right? Why is that with our buying power? Why is that with the buying power in the black and brown community? We're not supporting each other the way we should be. We need to take action on it and do it because everything seems to hit our community harder, whether it's COVID, whether it's health issues, whether it's you know getting the right jobs. But the numbers overall in terms of our buying power are increasing at a rapid level. We're just not doing the right things about it. And the moral of the story is, you know, we have more power than we even know. And if we're able to kind of work collectively and like, you know, go partner with somebody within your community, spend money within your communities, do some of the things that Malcolm X and all these leaders were talking about, then the barriers for us, you know, they're going to start to go away. And, you know, we already have things against us, like being blocked by getting able to get social capital, build relationships, networks, et cetera. If we start doing these things, we can start overcoming these barriers. A lot of these are systematic barriers. So we need to start working together and realizing the power we have, or this shit's never going to go away. And that's the moral of the story today. I don't want to whine and complain about this, but this is something that irked me last night because it does bother me when I see, I have a lot of friends out here who are entrepreneurs and they're able to kind of, you know, some of them sell companies for hundreds of millions of dollars. And I, on that side of the coin, then I go to the, the community and I just see people in the street you know, people who can't even pay any bills, have money for their family, can't go to some of the beautiful areas in California that these people do. Like we, the people from here don't even take advantage of what's out there. They don't go to the Carmel. They don't go to Pebble Beach. They don't get to travel to Tahoe. It's everybody else. And to me, that's bullshit. Especially if you look at like the amount of people in our community, Hispanic communities rampant over here, the black and brown community. This is where like the Black Panthers come from. So like, you know, what the hell's going on? This is the Blacklist Co. Radio Show with Pedro Frias. 